Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. <clears throat> Tonight we're going to talk about a problem in the Bible that we can identify with today. And that is the mental decline of a national leader. I'm not going to tell you which national leader. You can figure that one out on yourself. But uh, we, are, uh, we see the decline of Saul. And uh, we see tonight in the form of mental decline. He was not only declining in character, in leadership, but mentally and spiritually. Again, we can identify with that. The continuing decline in Saul's life is contrasted to the, what, what's happening in David's life because David's star is rising as Saul's star is settling in his life. Uh, David had been anointed king, but from the time he was anointed king to when he actually became king, there's about a 15-year gap. We're going to be looking at that gap as we uh, look at the next few lessons here. But in the meantime, David is beginning to develop in character. He's uh, learning about the monarchy. We're going to see tonight just how God places him uh, to start learning those things. I think it's interesting in the life of Joseph how uh, God had him in specific situations to prepare him to be uh, the second to Pharaoh. Remember, uh, he, was, uh, he was in Potiphar, he's worked for Potiphar for who knows how long, probably at least a few years, and he's look, working for Potiphar, and Potiphar is the chief of staff. He's the chief uh, military officer, and so he would be in the palace. He'd learn all about the workings of the, of the uh, palace there, and then being in jail with the chief butler and the baker, who are the closest to confidence to the king, uh, he would learn all kinds of things from them. Well, here, David's kind of in the same situation. He's going to be thrust into the palace uh, long before he's actually uh, going to become king. But this contrast between David and Saul is seen clearly in Scripture. In chapter 16, verse 13, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon David. While in chapter 16, verse 14, it says, The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. So uh, one is departing and one is receiving. The reason for that is the actions of the people. All right, God is not just withdrawing for no reasons, but Saul rejected God, and so God is now rejecting Saul. But let's read here and see about this mental decline and talk about it tonight. Hopefully it'll be a help to us. Uh, chapter 16, verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul... And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him, and Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, Bethlehem, that person, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty, valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. And we'll continue on next week, but uh, that's where we're going to end tonight as we look at that text. Uh, let's pray as we start. Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you for this text. I pray you'd help us to learn from it. Lessons we can learn both how not to be in our Christian life and how to be uh, from these different examples. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at the cause of the mental decline. We see it very clearly. Verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Uh, the Scripture leaves no doubt 
on what caused this curse on Saul or this this evil spirit coming on him. God allowed it. When you reject God, good things will not happen to you in your life. When you refuse to make peace with God, you'll eventually lose peace in your life. And how often we've seen that, even throughout this ministry, and, and we all know people, we've probably experienced it a time or two in our lives too, where we, we depart from where we should be, and then bad things happen in our life. Look at verse 15. Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Now, unlike the experts in our day, Saul's servants recognized that God's hand was in this decline in their leader. Uh, many spiritual and moral problems today are passed off as physical problems. But wise people recognize when the problem is a moral and a spiritual one. I think we could all agree that our primary problem in, in our country today with our leaders is not physical. It is moral and it is spiritual. And that was the problem in Saul's time too. Saul's problem of this madness or temporary madness was a direct result of his rebellion to God's word. So much of our mental anguish, our anxiety that plagues people today is a result of disobeying God. Uh, peace of mind is not a result of disobeying God. The reverse is uh, when we obey Him. Romans one twenty eight. As they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Why do we have so much? I, I get so sick of hearing the word anxiety. I don't know about you, but it just bugs me. Every, oh, I'm anxiety. People that have no problems, really, to speak of, and, uh, you know, we talk about the greatest generation who went over and fought World War II, and then the next generation, Korean War, Vietnam. And the, our fathers and our grandfathers, they had real problems, real, real issues of survival. And today, <laughs> the cord to my iPhone charger is not long enough, you know, and we have, we have problems like that. And we uh, just, so, so people, they manufacture problems, and now we have anxiety over dumb stuff, and and uh, it, it's, it just bothers me. I hear it all the time. I hear, hear it just bothers me, um, anxiety. But it doesn't come from obeying God. It comes from disobeying God. Why shouldn't our schools be full of anxiety and mental issues when we, they don't even, we, we can't even tell them if they're boys or girls? I mean, seriously, kind of a mess we're creating. It's not from godliness that uh, you have this mental anguish and anxiety. It's from godlessness that we have. So this was the pro this was the cause of the mental decline. The character of the mental decline, we see it was a serious problem. Had Saul not been king, he'd have probably been thrown into a mental institution. He probably found himself in a nut house if he'd have not been king, but he was king. So he's a danger to all those around him. His temper is erratic and unpredictable. Uh, he falls upstairs. No, wait, different guy. Uh, it was a serious problem in Saul's life. I'm going to keep mixing my metaphors all night long. I was writing throughout this. I was like, man, there's a real correlation here between what's happening in their life and what we're seeing. But anyway, uh, we'll try to focus on Saul. Uh, his temper is erratic and unpredictable. It's a, it's a serious problem. I mean, there was real danger. Uh, we can see it in several ways in our text. Look at what, uh, if you look at the meaning of the language here, an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. 
Uh, this word troubled is translated from a Hebrew word that means dismay, to be overtaken with a sudden terror. So he had panic attacks. He had t attacks of terror. One writer put it this way, and I quote, Saul became subject to fits of intense mental agony under which his reason gave way and temporary insanity accompanied by outbreaks of violence came on him. He went crazy. He had episodes. Uh, the most evident of these is seen when he attacked David how many times with a javelin? Uh, at least three times, chapter 18, verse 10, uh, verse 11, chapter 19, verse 9, and verse 10. Uh, we see where he is attacking David with a javelin, trying to kill him. Later, he throws a javelin at his own son, Jonathan, when he's upset that Jonathan has sided with David or remains friends with David. The guy loved his javelin, uh, kept throwing it at people. Uh, who were close to him. So th this was a real danger because he's, he's in charge of the nation and yet he has, doesn't have the mental capacity to control himself. Uh, the, uh, the, the character was, was a serious one. And then the council. We see council here is interesting. His behavior was so bad, his servants had a meeting about it and they had a discussion. What were we going to do? Because El Capitan is going nuts and he's losing his mind and we're really all in danger. You can understand their concern because uh, he, he, he was the king. He had even more power than what we're used to today. I mean, he could say off with his head and they'd have to, they could lose their life. Verse 15, Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Interesting, they diagnosed the problem correctly. It had to do with Saul and God, the problem between Saul and with God, but the problem was they addressed a spiritual problem with a physical solution. They tried to correct the problem by working on his emotions rather than on his obedience to God. Okay, our world is full of advisors like that, dealing with spiritual problems in a physical way. I drive bus once in a while, on uh, in only on in morning, early morning, and there's this kid I pick up in. Uh, uh, town over there, forget the, no, uh, north of there, um, yes, so I pick this kid up, and he's a nightmare, this kid's just a nightmare, and uh, I mean, out of control, just go, but, so we have to talk to the parents, and, and when we talk to the parents, for like the next week, uh, this is how he just, he's on drugs, completely drugged out, and he comes, and he you know, he plops in his seat and he just sits half, a, sometimes all the way asleep. Uh, that's how they control him. And man, you know, the, the parent in me, the pastor in me, the human being in me hates to see that. But the driver in me is like, thank goodness he's, he's restrained, you know, he's not going crazy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but we're dealing, what we're dealing with is a spiritual problem with a physical solution. We're doing it all over in our schools, with our, in our parenting, and it's a terrible way to approach it because we're not dealing with it God's way. We're not raising kids God's way anymore, which what is God's way? Using this belt right here is one way to do it, all right? Or however you choose to discipline. I'm not saying you have to, everybody has to do it the same way, but the Bible says that we spare the rod. We hate our child if we don't discipline them. So whom God loveth, he scourgeth, he, he chastises. And so we are a nation of people dealing with spiritual problems in a physical way. 
Let our Lord now, they, this is their advice, let our Lord now command thy servants to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. So the, these servants put their money where their mouth is, basically volunteered to do the work to find the man for Saul uh, to do this. And, and now a lot of people like good advice, but they don't like to add service to their advice. Well, this is good. This is commendable. Hey, this is what we want to do for you, and we'll go out and find somebody for you. This is a good attitude they had. But from then on, the council went downhill because it turned to being entirely secular. They completely ignored the spiritual. The solution rendered was a harp. I, do you like harp music? Harp music's pretty, isn't it? It's calming. Uh, I've taken to uh, this week because the staff is all gone. It's very quiet in here, and which is fine. I don't mind quiet, but I'll sometimes play some of that just piano music softly, or some. Or some you go to uh, YouTube and you look up music for study, and you can find good. And uh, that way, it kind of breaks the silence up a little bit. Harp music's pleasant enough, but they chose a harp. Um, because they don't see the problem as a spiritual problem. And the, the problem was a heart problem, not a harp problem, a heart problem. That was the problem. Saul needed to get his heart right with God. And instead of attacking the heart, we constantly look for harps to try to fix our problems in the world today. Because the world tries to treat moral and spiritual problems with secular remedies. And... We do it in the church, too, sometimes, if we're not careful. We do it in our own lives. You never hear Washington talk about the need for a spiritual revival, do you? <laughs> a turning back to God, a confession of sin. You don't hear that, but you hear all kinds of other things uh, to deal with uh, problems, and that's why it's not dealt with effectively. How much better friends had they been to Saul if they'd have said to Saul, Look, Saul, we've known you for a while now. Um, every time you disobey God, you go further down. You need to get right with God. Now, they'd have probably got their head chopped off for, the, for saying that, and that's maybe why they didn't. But what better friends they'd have been to tell them the truth? Maybe send for Samuel, the prophet, instead of a harp. Okay? That's, that's who should have been counseling Saul. Uh, we always, always need to focus on the heart and not just the symptoms. They should have sent for a preacher, not a musician. Musician might be able to calm you for a while, but uh, they, need, they need to get to the heart of the problem. He did not need to ma be made happier in his sin. Boy, we do that. Oh, my goodness. Let's make people feel better about the sin that they're in. You're in sin, Saul. So we'll get a harp and play soft music, and maybe you can feel more comfortable in there. How's that working for us today? It isn't. It's, it's terrible when we allow sin to flourish in our nation and our society. The harp is only a su superficial remedy. It doesn't go deep enough. It dealt with Saul's emotions. It did not deal with his heart. It treated the symptoms, but not the cause of his problem. It was not a permanent solution. It was a temporary solution. And the world's philosophies can only affect the head. It can never affect the heart. It's superficial. It's not real. It's temporary at best. What do you think it'll do for the character of this generation's college students if we forgive all their loans? What does it do for their character? It doesn't help them. It doesn't take care of the problem. It just takes care of one little symptom. And then they're going to go right back into their problems because the heart's not taken care of. The, the, their, their habits are not changed. Their patterns are not changed. And therefore, the problem will just continue. We live in a world that does exactly what they're doing here. 
Dealing with the emotional part will make you feel better rather than to deal with the sin part. We need to deal with our sin in our life or things aren't going to get better. The harp, even David's harp, David was a good man, but it's not going to subdue the power of sin. This requires the power of David's God, not the power of David's harp. Okay, That's what he needs. All right, but Saul says, hey, I love it. Look at verse 17. Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Saul quickly accepted the advice of the servants. And why not? Evil men like remedies that don't address the real problem. We all like that. Uh, this remedy appealed to Saul's senses. And it still does appeal to people when you deal with everything but the heart. I recently talked to a young person that used to come to our church, does not come anymore, and they started to go to a therapist. Now they get all their wacko things from the secular therapist. And it turns out, as I dug a little bit, uh, the therapist helped them realize that it was mom and dad, the way they grew up, that led them to making all these bad decisions. And trauma is what, and now anxiety they didn't have anxiety before they went to a therapist who's supposed to help you get off of it, but put them on it. And uh, just all these issues, and it just, it, it's amazing to me. But see, it's, it's much more pleasant to hear. I know I'm messed up. That's why I go to a therapist. But if you tell me that it's somebody else's fault, I feel a lot better about it. Ah, it's not me. It's mom. It's dad. But if you tell me it's my sin, I don't like to hear that so much. You understand? A lot of people go from churches to psychiatrists or churches to worldly because it's a lot better to hear that uh, around 41.7 million adults in the United States last year uh, had uh, went to therapists. I'm not, I'm not knocking going to a therapist. If you go to a therapist, more power to you. I'm not saying, surely there's a place for it. I'm not saying it's always bad, but many times it pampers the flesh. If you do go to a therapist, I hope you go to the one that actually helps to solve the issues in our life and dealing with the problems we have. But natural men quickly accept solutions that pamper the flesh. It's like telling a little boy that his toothache will go away if he eats lots of cookies. The little boy will love it. Amen? Ha! Yes! I'm for it. But it's not going to solve his problem. Tell him he need to go to the dentist and get a tooth pulled. He's not going to be happy. But which one loves him more? Honestly, which one loves him more? The one that tells him to go get his tooth pulled. The one who gives him the unpleasant news. The one who tells him the truth. All right? Advising Saul the true remedy, you need to repent from God, uh, repent of your sin, ask God for forgiveness, would not have gone over well. It helps explain why preachers sometimes are afraid to preach the truth. Sometimes it doesn't go over well. It's a lot easier to Joel Olstein your way through church. And every day is a Friday and embrace the inner you and the power of I am. And, you know, uh, all those things are, are wonderful, fuzzy feelings. They don't do anything to clean anybody up. They don't change anybody. They just make you feel good about yourself. And there's a place for that. I'm all for motivational speaking. Just don't call it preaching. Here's a question. Why do cults with all kind of wacky and strange ideas get so many converts while the gospel is largely rejected. I have struggled with that my entire adult life. Always bothered me. Why do people follow the guy? Remember the, uh, the Heaven's Gate people? The, the guy's name? 
I love the guy, the leader's name, Dole. Like Homer Simpson, Dole. That was his name. Uh, so I don't watch The Simpsons, don't get me wrong, but I just heard him say that before. But uh, how, how does he get a whole bunch of people to, to wear, where they wore Nikes and track suits, all drank a, or ate an applesauce they knew was poison, and then they all laid down and died in their bunk beds? I got a hard time getting people to come to church. How does he get people to come and drink applesauce and die for him, you know? Why do cults have this fun? I mean, this has really bothered me. One, one thought is that, well, they're more zealous. They are out there on the streets, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. There's, that might be part of it, but I really believe the, the bigger reason is, is the message of the gospel of repentance. Preach a message that appeals to the flesh. You have a lot of disciples. Preach the, the message from God's word, the, the real worthlessness that there's none good, no, no, not one. There's none righteous. You can't earn your way to heaven. You are a reprobate without God. And it's not quite as popular. Godly Samuel was not successful in getting Saul to heed his advice, but Saul's servants easily could get Saul to listen to theirs. See the difference? Because Samuel offered a real spiritual solution. Saul wanted none of it. But these servants offered a fluffy, feel-good, maybe this will help you feel better, and he jumped all over it. That's the, that's the state of our world today. They don't want the truth. They, they want what makes them feel good. Back to political, we had a president for a few years that told the truth. I always like, one person likened him to a doctor, a, 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 a doctor with really bad bedside manners. That, that, was a, that was a pretty apt description. He just told it as it was. And uh, But it was better for the country because we need to hear what we need to hear, or not only what we want to hear. It's always been that way. That's why Jesus said, Matthew 7, 13, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be that go thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Why is there... Uh, you know, we have thousands of people in the stands at, a, at the SDSU games. We don't have so many here tonight. Few there be that find it. Jesus said it. It's clear as day. that uh, not, Cults, other worldly philosophies are more popular than the message of God's word because people don't like to hear what they need to hear. They like to hear what they want to hear. It's just human nature. So let's be faithful with that. By the way, we all have kids. Most of us have kids in here. We understand how that is. That's the same with them, isn't it? Uh, how many of you ever had to, you kids sit down and you're not getting up until you eat that chocolate? How many? Like nobody. Nobody has to say that. It's broccoli. It's Brussels sprouts. It's potatoes. It's peas. All right? You force them for the good stuff. The bad stuff just comes. All right? Uh, but that's good parenting. We do that. And when you do that same way in the word of God, look at verse 17. Saul said unto his servants, provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. So Saul gave him an order to find a man to help me. Provide him now. He wanted immediately. Get him quickly. Would that all sinners would be so concerned about salvation that they would demand it now. But uh, Saul was, it was still more fleshly than it was spiritually um, motivated there. Ugh. Running out of time, and I have so much more. Comforter. Let's look at the comforter for the mental decline. The man they found was David. 
this would help David. Again, it's awesome how God's now putting him into the, into the throne room, essentially, playing for the king. He's going to see the workings of the palace. He's going to familiarize himself. He's been chosen as a king. Saul doesn't know this yet. So Saul is handpicking the person God's replacing him with to come in and play the harp for him. <laughs> Only God can do that. I just love that. That had to be, you know, Dave, I wonder what David thought. Like, little do you know, King Saul, I had a visitor a while back, and I'm your replacement. I, I, always, I always think it's funny when uh, I recently was talking to somebody, they got fired, or they were told their job is ending, but before they go, they need to train their replacement. That's always a really weird position to be in. All right, then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, this is verse 18, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is a cunning and playing, mighty valiant man, a man of war, prudent in matters, a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Uh, I think we're going to stop here because I want to go through those uh, character qualities of David. There's some, some things we can learn from here about him because there's, uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to just sum it up in four minutes. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you go a couple minutes early tonight. But a uh, good, good lesson though for us in dealing with issues, spiritual issues. Let's not throw band-aids on them. Let's take care of them. If, if, we have a, if we have a spiritual problem, let's not answer it with a physical solution. It needs to be a spiritual solution. It's why as parents, uh, we, we don't always want to only deal with symptoms. We want to deal with the heart behind the symptoms, don't we? We want to know what's causing it. Why is my child acting out? Why are they talking back when they haven't had the, something's going on in here? That's why in discipleship we have a, we, we have a lesson where we talk about root sins. There are root sins for us and they got a whole lot of symptoms, like an iceberg. You know, the iceberg, there's a little small part sticking up above the water. There's a whole bunch under the water. And we as parents, as spiritual leaders, we want to get to what's underneath and what's driving it and what is the cause of it, not just the symptoms. The world only deals with symptoms. We want to deal with more than that. We want to answer the root causes of it. And obviously, usually it's connected to sin somehow, and so we want to deal with that. Uh, but uh, let's, not, let's not be guilty of in our families, in our church, dealing with spiritual problems with physical solutions. Make sense? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for the lessons we can learn. I, I hope 